Hi, I'm Tyler Yules. Welcome to How the Grades Do It. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of How the Grades Do It. You know who I am, Tyler Yules, um, and I'm here interviewing Lee Johnson. Lee is uh, head of sales at Vacation. Lee, thanks for jumping on with us today. Thank you. I'm excited to uh, share all the fun things involved around sales. Absolutely, man. Well, tell us what you're up to at Vacation. Yeah, so I'm the uh, head of sales and do some business development for Vacation. We are uh, one of the industry leaders in the resort and timeshare uh, space. So we do resort development, management, sales, um, consulting, kind of everything uh, in relation to what they call legacy timeshare space. So uh, I've been with them for uh, about a year, previously owned my own company for nine years, which was Premier Resorts Group, which we spe- uh, specifically were in business development for resorts, uh, mm-hmm. sales, and um, uh, real estate. So there you go. Okay. And what what landed you into sales? Like, you know, I think that's always a fun story. Did someone like see the value, like <laughs> see you and saw your potential? Or was it more so like, hey, I always knew I was going to be a salesperson like me? Well, you know, a little bit of both. I, I I was thinking about it today. I've never had a job where there's not some sort of either tip or commission related to my uh, my jobs. This goes all the yeah. way back to embarrassingly at, you know, 16 years old, I was selling jeans and Doc Martens at the buckle <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, getting commissions and, and then uh, got into the restaurant business. Um, so I grew up in uh, Duluth, Minnesota, which if anybody's familiar is about a hundred miles from the Canadian border. You know, it's like one of the coldest places in the United States and uh, um, attended college at St. Cloud State University, which is also in Minnesota and um, never knew how to ice skate, never rode a snowmobile at that point, played uh, college golf and played basketball. <laughs> so like literally the worst Minnesotan ever. Um, so <laughs> sounds like you were meant my- to be a Floridian. Yeah, so uh, myself and 27 friends actually all moved to Maui, Hawaii, and uh, we were bartenders, waiters, uh, you know, beach uh, beach chair attendants, whatever. And um, so I was I was bartending at a restaurant called Roy's, and uh, you know, these guys from Marriott's Maui Ocean Club would come sit at my bar, you know, a few nights, and got to know them pretty well, and. Um, and we just hit it off, and uh, I kind of, you know, was offered a position down the road to uh, to sell in their timeshare business, um, and that was kind of the start of it. And that was 2004, and I'm about to hit my 20th year, which is amazing to me. So that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's great when you find something that you love, right, and you're good at, and yep. you can put those passions, things, your passion and love together, and then hey, it's I think it's a match made. Yeah, absolutely. You know. You and I have chatted a lot about the industry in, it, in itself, right? And I know that one of the big things and the reason why you started your own company was, you know, really trying to be right by the customer and, and really trying to redefine an industry that's kind of had maybe a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. And like, what was there a certain turning point that really um, that made you have that change and that, that really because it was a mindset shift, I think. Right. You know, it's funny. I didn't realize at the time, but when I started at Marriott in Maui, it was like the most unbelievable culture of sales. And, you know, they always talked about Ohana, which is family in Hawaii. And they had this, you know, every, and it was one canoe was kind of their, their saying. And everybody, when you became a salesperson, you got a canoe paddle. And every time you had a performance of, you know, top 10 in the month or 
or whatever, you'd get this little badge on your canoe. And, uh, you know, I, I was unknowingly super spoiled, not realizing that that's not the way it works all across the country <laughs> in this industry. And, uh, you know, I, when I lived out there, I had, you know, two kids and wanted to move closer to home and started working with another developer and realized that uh, not everyone lived on the one canoe uh, theory. <laughs> and so about a year and a half after working with this other developer, I, you know, stuck my neck out and started Premier Resorts Group and really tried to take the uh, the premise of, you know, the Ohana and family and rise together and, uh, and uh, you know, um, you know, kind of live by that sort of mantra. And then that transitioned uh, into my time with Vacatia as, you know, I had a lot of opportunities to a lot of pretty large developers as we scaled Premier and Vacatia was kind of the one that really, you know, stuck out as had the same vision as me. So yeah, it's, it, it's been a challenge for sure in this space. Um, but I think we, we do a pretty good job uh, when it was Premier and then now with Vacatia of, you know, trying to change that narrative. Yeah. And what, what are some of the things that you're doing at Vacatia that are really trying to change that narrative? Cause you know, when you, when you think about timeshare, I think there's a negative connotation that comes along with that. Um, just because of, it's almost like when you think of car, you, you know, use car salesman, if you will. Right. And yeah. so I think part of, you know, the struggle that you have to go through daily is getting over that negative connotation and showing people, Hey, we're going to do, we do business a little bit differently here. And um, I think people, sh you know, really see that by actions. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, you know, our, whether we're trying to finalize a contract with a resort against our competitors, uh, or just when we're meeting with, you know, clients, my sales team's meeting with clients, you know, I think just being genuine in what we do. And a lot of times it's, it's about the experience. And I think some yeah. of these larger companies, they kind of get away from that, right? They have shareholders, they have, you know, a lot of, a lot of marketing costs that are baked into the, how they operate. And uh, I, I've always kind of taken pride on, hey, at the end of the day, we're talking about vacations. We're talking about enjoying time with family. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we've done with Premier and then also we brought to Vacatia was the two biggest things with Timeshare are you own it forever and it doesn't work. <laughs> and that's kind of like standard in the industry, right? What people, uh, what people think of when they, when they think of Timeshare. And one of the things that, uh, that we've been a part of is what we call like a term product. So like a pay as you go. So if you want to own our product for three years, great. You want to own our product for 10 years, great. We hope you own it for 25 yeah. or more. But but and we hope you share it with your family. But if there's a time down the road where it doesn't make sense anymore, we want to make that process to be able to revert it back to us, um, easy as can be. But we typically find that if we have a product that works, um, you know that life cycle of that ownership becomes a lot longer as they're pretty, you know, they're they're happy. And we always try to do right by that client and, and share in that experience and, and try to make make that the biggest focus is the experience to the guest. Sure, and. <clears throat> Help us understand like what that sales process looks like, because I would assume it's it's somewhat transactional, but you try to build the relationship really early on in the process because, right, like like what you're saying, right? you're trying to build a long-term relationship with these um, people and, you know, obviously the resort that you're selling to uh, are selling them to, right? And so you want, obviously, it's it's not a transactional sale because you want them to come back year over year and continue to enjoy that property um, for, for many years to come. Right. Or, or others. So we're kind of, we're right. in two parts. So we have, uh, we have resorts that we have a traditional quote unquote sales organization where, you know, you're, you're, we, we bribe you with a hundred bucks to come and sit down and listen to our presentation. And, right. you know, 60 or 90 minutes later, we're asking you to spend some money 
uh, at the end of that presentation. We try to pack on a bunch of, you know, incentives and benefits to get you to do it today. Um, so we have that standardized process. Um, that's very expensive as a business. It's time consuming. Um, so, but it works pretty well in certain areas. Our other uh, side of the business is we've really tried to take out the sales part of it. Um, we have an online marketplace that we market to people via email, um, via outreach of, of phone. Um, and we can make the cost a lot more uh, beneficial to the owner when we're not having to pay high commissions, uh, you know, high marketing costs, you know, the gifting costs, all the other things that factor into that. So part sure. of us in some resorts, we stay traditional. Um, and then in other parts of our business, we're trying to leverage our technology um, and, and using technology to kind of uh, re not replace salespeople, but kind of replace salespeople where sure. it makes sense. But that'll never be you know completely in that direction. So, yeah, absolutely. And um, I'd love to hear like when your team is sitting down with somebody like in a traditional sales motion, right? Like, does the approach ever change? Is it is it always? Um, somewhat similar like is you know you're dealing with different types of people from you know i would assume across the world and so yep yeah uh you know no two customers are really the same i, I think the yeah. biggest thing that we always preach is you know find commonality you can never spend too much time asking questions you know especially with people that don't always want to open up right away um the best way you can get somebody to open up is ask questions about themselves and yeah. so I, I think we really try to focus on, you know, working with the client, making sure we understand, you know, what their needs are um, and sort of, you know, how they vacation. And, you know, I encourage my sales team to collaborate with their managers. And if I'm at that site, you know, even me and, and you know, let's try to find the sales angle there and, and try to um, try to figure out how we can how we can put them in a product or, or a, a, you know, what they maybe could use or, or want. But at the end of the day, you know, one of the other differences is uh, I think with us is, you know, you're never going to see a presentation from anybody on my team where they don't depart as friends. Um, yeah. You know, it's never this like boil, boiler room, trap you in the corner, lock the door, 17 more people come in behind you trying to sell you. Like, you know, we respect the no. And yeah. uh, I think as we continue to grow as a company that, that will kind of maintain our mantra and, uh, you know, I think sets us apart from some of these other companies. Sure. You know, I would assume that the way that you guys um, sell has somewhat changed over the years. And I'd love to hear like how you all have tried to transition with that type of change, because the way that people buy is, is a lot different than how they used to buy five, 10 years ago. Yeah, um, it is. It's it, There's challenges with that. And like I said earlier, one of the big things that we push a lot as a product that is customized to how the owner wants to use it right so that yeah. that's not something that's traditional in our industry um you know it, it's funny because in 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 maui um you know you'd have somebody that was willing to sit down is in 60 or 90 minutes and spending well into the six figures right uh and and you know i've had an office in uh new Bern, north carolina it was where, where my first office is with premier and you know the, the clientele there you know, five thousand dollars might be a lot of money. So you've got to right. kind of, you know, it doesn't matter between the two. You still have to provide the experience that makes sense for their family, and you know, be able to paint that picture, um, and not and not oversell. I think that's one thing you know that that we try to do differently is really fit them into the product and the price point that you know they're not going to wake up in sixty or ninety days and be like, oh my gosh, I have this payment or I have this you know fee that I'm not going to be able to pay. Right. So I, I think it's getting really understanding the people 
Yeah, and I, you're right. And I think that can be difficult a lot of times when you're in that sales role and you're obviously pushing for a commission, right? And so how do you then, on a massive scale, you know, coach your team to say, hey, look, how do we um, how do we not oversell people? But at the same time, like, we still have sales goals. We still have to hit our sales incentives. And so, like, making them as effective as possible. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, it, it's scripting. It's it's really, you know, like I said before, like doing kind of what we call halfway timeouts with your managers where, you know, let's make sure that we, we, you know, fit this product to the person. And it's amazing. You can still get to those budgets and those higher numbers, even if the, what we call our APT or average per transaction is a little bit less, because what happens is when you make things real and affordable to those clients, your closing percentage goes up, right? So, yeah. you know, you might close 10%, you know, when you're writing $50,000 deals, but yeah. if you can close 30% at an $8,000 or a $15,000 deal, you know, the numbers work out the same and you're still still able to hit budgets and, and, and quotas. So I think, again, it just goes down to, to you know, making sure that really understanding, uh, you know, what that, what that client is like. No, I totally love that, right? And that makes sense, right? Uh, ultimately, I think if you have a really great discovery with somebody and can understand a little bit, more about them before you go into pitching a product, right? It, it it gives you a little bit better understanding of, hey, what's going to be the best fit for this person um, in that short term and maybe even a long term based off of like what they're looking for and what's going to be the best for their family. Right. So that, that totally makes sense. Right. Yeah. There's, there's no worse breath than commission breath. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, they... People can definitely tell when you have to make a sale or you, you know, you're pushing for that sale and they can ultimately, I think, tell when, uh, you know, you're just trying to find the best fit for them. Perfect. Um, Lee, I'd love to understand a little bit more around, uh, was there something that happened in your career that really gave you that mentality shift? Because I think a lot of people in the industry would rather say, hey, like, if there's an opportunity for me to sell a $50,000 package, whether it's a good fit or not, they're just going to go ahead and do it because they know the commission on the back end and, hey, the person's locked into a contract. Right. And so- Yeah, no, with, Sorry, it it, no, it yeah. was um, it it was challenge. It was not as much of a challenge when you're living in you know Maui, Hawaii, on Kanapali Beach, and you, uh, you know, the, the clients that you're talking to, uh, you know, they have to get on an airplane and fly and pay a lot of money to bring their family, and you know, hotel rooms are six, seven, eight hundred dollars a night. You know, it's, it's five hundred dollars for a family of you know four to have dinner every other night. So a lot of times the yeah. clients that we spoke to in Maui were much different than the clients that we would talk to, that I would talk to in my next phase of my career, which was back on the mainland in places like Tennessee and Florida. And, you know, when I was working for a different developer at that point, it got to the point, I, you know, I saw these transactions where I knew, you know, I just knew that they, they weren't the right fit. And I got frustrated and, and I was, I was a leader at that point. And, you know, I was, I was leading a team of about 30 sales reps. And I, you know, I just, it's hard to, it's hard to look your team in the eye and motivate them when you don't believe that you're always doing what's best for the client. Yeah. Um, and simultaneously having these, you know, these people coming down from the top on budgets and you got to meet these budgets. And, and so that was really kind of the turning point for me is I just had enough one day and uh, had an opportunity and uh, took it. And, and that's where kind of the founding of, of Premier Resorts Group, which I, like I said, I own for, I've owned for about nine years now. And that's really like our mantra and kind of, you know, the, the, what we were sticking to was, you know, being forthright with the customer, um, 
just doing what we could to get out of that stigma. And we'd just be yeah. upfront about it. You know, I mean, we weren't <laughs> hiding the, the fact of we're timeshare salespeople because, right. you know, it, it's the elephant in the room and everybody walks in, everybody that we talked to was literally being bribed to sit in front of us. So, um, but it was amazing. And, you know, that took a lot of time with my staff. Um, and I, you know, a lot of this is hiring the right people. So, you know, hiring people that, that ha- kind of have that similar belief. Um, and I was fortunate to have some good staff that, that kind of saw the vision with me. No, that's awesome. Right. And so as you look for employees, do you try to find people that have been in timeshare? Um, because then at that point, right, you may be trying to like break the mold and how they sold traditionally, or are you trying to find people just with really great sales skills that understand, Hey, this, we're always trying to do right by the customer. Um, like what, what is, what, what do you, what do you, have you found to be like really the best fit and maybe that happy medium? I think I think from you know like a mid level leadership position you kind of you have to have some experience in this industry yeah um, you know there's just it just takes time it just takes exposure to it um, so finding those right people that kind of are aligned in your message paddling that one canoe the right way um, but I've had more success with the bartenders of the world the waiters of the world uh, I'm a big golfer I've hired people that you know are the cart guys uh, at the golf course. Um, and, you know, those are the guys that can talk to people, they can be real with people, um, and they get the product and they get the script. And if they're willing to listen and learn, you know, I've got those middle managers that, you know, we can, we can all kind of work together and, and it's, it's been very successful. So I don't necessarily, there's certain ones that I would take. There's a whole bunch of them I would not take as far as previous <laughs> time to share salespeople. Um, sure. But yeah, the, the service industry people, and, you know, you can have a conversation with someone and, and you're, you know, you're providing a service that makes people happy. Those are the type of people I look for. Yeah, I love that, right? Like find potential where, um, where maybe most people aren't looking. I think that really opens up an entire market of people um, that aren't looking that, that uh, could be a great fit for the role. And I think that those skills absolutely translate. So I love that. You know, when I think about your sales process, like there's kind of two parts of it, right? Because there's the B2C side where people think, hey, this is the timeshare side. And then there's the side where you're speaking with the resort and trying to get the contract to allow them, obviously, for you to sell to, for them. And so are you setting expectations also with the resort in a different way? Um, just saying like, hey, we always try to do what's right for the customer. And so it's really trying to build long-term success with customers. But then I think it's probably a lot of setting expectation with the resort and saying like, Hey, this is how we sell. You have to be good with that. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of, you know, things that I always try to focus on. The one thing is we always want to make sure that our relationship is not in the short term. Um, yeah. you know, I've, I've had resorts in Hilton head, Myrtle beach, Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, you know, now we have them, you know, we have 27 different resorts with vacation that are all over the country that, you know, we're on contracts that aren't super long, you know, they might be three or four years. And so I think, you know, and then renewed typically, hopefully, but we put a lot of time and, and resources and money and processes in place to those, you know, to get those up and running. And I think if we didn't deliver on the front end, like a realistic expectation, I don't think we'd be as successful as we are about retaining those contracts. You know, yeah. salespeople, even on the business development side, people have a, a you know, tend to overpromise and underdeliver. And I, I think, you know, a lot of these resorts have heard, you know, I have a resort in Scottsdale, Arizona, that I think is kind of the crown jewel really in this whole industry. And I'm very proud of the fact that Premier was able to achieve that contract over some pretty big players. 
And I think the reason that we did is because I didn't say yes to everything. You know, I said, I, I said, to be honest with you, I don't know, if, you know, we can achieve these numbers, right? But I know what we can achieve. And I know that we can do that on a repeatable uh, um, amount. And at the end of the day, you're not going to have, you know, people lashing back and, you know, complaints and those types of things either if you treat people the right way. And, you know, we're still a partner with them and with Vacatia uh, today. And I think that's because of the way that we've we've handled ourselves there. Yeah, no, I love that, right? And I think, you know, ultimately, there's a there's a lot of people out there, um, and I, you hit the nail on the head, right? Like, they'll oversell and underdeliver, and I think people can appreciate you just being super real with them and um, saying, hey, look, like, this is what I know we can do, right? Happy to shoot for the stars, but if we yeah. are, you know, if we end up at the moon, I think that's okay, too, um, and right. painting that realistic, realistic picture, but ultimately the follow through I think is what people see, which is why, you know, vacation and yourself have been um, successful up to this point in retaining those contracts. Right. It's Cause you do what you say you're going to do. And um, I think that's a lot of times the biggest miss that people have in general, right. It's they're sold something and maybe it was expectations were set wrong. They were, you know, o- over delivered or, you know, the person just didn't follow up on the back end. And I think um, those are the two areas I think that we failed the most. So. Absolutely. Well, man, I would love to hear a little bit about like how you're managing a remote team because I would assume most people are across the country and really, you know, where the resort, a lot of times maybe where the resort is. And so managing a team and trying to build that culture of like continuous improvement and always doing what's right, like how are you then um, getting that down to everybody? Well, it's a lot of time on Delta. <laughs> That's one thing. Um, so a lot, a lot of flying to our different resorts, but um it really comes, you know, like I said before, that sort of that middle management piece of having the right people uh, in place that you wholeheartedly trust. Um, I think, you know, communicating with them on a regular basis, uh, being very crystal clear on initiatives and, you know, what um, holding people accountable, whether it's in a good way or a bad way, um, you know, and, and that and if, if you kind of set the standard for those managers on site, um they tend to carry that standard down to down to the uh, sales reps and, and sort of the day to day operation. Um, sure. It's also you know you have to have people that are willing to to listen and you know and coach too. The, the thing about our industry is you know on the first of the month everybody starts at zero again, and right. um, you know you can be a hero in in June and you can be a zero in July. So it, it's getting people's mindsets, having the managers or myself or our team getting, getting the mindset to people of, you know, every month is a new month. Every day is a new day, really. You know, you can, you can make your month in a, in a couple of days if, if, if you want to, but you know, it's, it's not looking too far ahead and it's definitely never looking too far behind is <laughs> one thing right. that we, uh, we always want to focus on is we can't help what's in the past. Um, and, but I, but I really, as far as, you know, cross managing across so many different locations, it really comes down to, you know, I guess, even if I'm, you know, on one side of the country and my, you know, if I'm in, if I'm in North Carolina and I've got people in Arizona, I need to, I need to be able to deliver a message that's genuine to them, even if it's not face to face. Right. Yeah. And so I think, I think that's a very important thing too, is always know a hundred percent of the time that you're coming from a place to be genuine with what you're trying to say. And, and that, and also that they know that you have your back, you have their back. Um, you know, that was one thing with a previous employer of mine is, you know, if we're talking up to the CEO, we're saying one thing, but if we're talking down to the sales reps, we're saying another thing, right? And it's like this, and it's a balancing act that I just wasn't appreciative of. 
Um, yeah. So I, I think being consistent in your messaging, because all the managers talk, all the sales reps talk, all the leaders talk, right? And so if, if you're consistent in that messaging across the board, you can never really you know, go wrong. And then you're not flying across the country, putting out fires, you're celebrating successes. Right. And so you brought up a really good point. And I think something that, you know, I think a lot of salespeople struggle with is starting at zero, whether it's the end of the quarter or end of the year or end of the month. And so when you're on, you know, somewhat of that monthly on that monthly basis, you have 12 resets in a year. And so I think that can somewhat take a little, somewhat of a mental toll on, on a salesperson. And so like, how are you keeping them motivated and with their eye on the prize of like, Hey, every month is new, right? Like doesn't, you know, obviously not living in the past. Like you could have been number one this month. You could be, you could be last this, the next month. And so, you know, how are you getting, making sure you're getting the results um, that you're looking for from the team, but then also making sure that on the flip side, that they're obviously doing what they, they're putting people in the right products and, you know, making win-win, I think win-win solutions. Right. You, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that I talk about a lot is what I call sales amnesia. Right, yeah. where it's you know you're done with that presentation, whether it's a yay or or a nay, it, it it's done, right? And it's it's in the past, and you forget about it. So I, I think having these people, these reps, and these managers focused on that. Um, I, I also, you know, they're not only that balancing act of each month, but we ch we're challenged a lot with seasonality, right? So you know, whether it's in Scottsdale, it's a you know the client in July is a lot harder than the client in March. Right. Or, or in sure. or Virginia Beach at our property, the client in July is a lot better than the client in March. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think it just comes down to creating also creating budgets that are fair. You know, if you have a budget, say, in Arizona, uh, you know, and that number to hit in July is the same number that you're expecting them to hit in March. A lot of these a lot of people are done before they start. Sure. They just know. I mean, you know, the numbers, the numbers or just they're not attainable no matter you know what anybody will tell you so I, I think it's it comes down to creating a budget that uh factors in those types of things seasonality um you know uh, what we call adr in the business average daily rate you know it's a lot hard when you have a renter who's paying you know 90 bucks a night versus someone who stays in that same room during a peak season at 300 dollars a night um, sure. so I, I think, you know, that that's the one thing is creating a fair budget that they know that every month it's attainable where they can they can hit their numbers and that they can they can succeed. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And does personalization come in a big part, like into the sale process? Because I know, right, obviously, you're trying to do what's right for the customer and, you know, everyone's going to be a little bit different. But ultimately, right, like they may be purchasing the same room or um, this, you know, the same package as the next person. And so I'd love to understand, like, how, how important is that um, when it comes to the sales process? Yeah, well, room, room awareness is huge in our industry. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, definitely important. But yeah, personalization is huge. And, and, you know, it's kind of old hat for our industry, but it makes sense is discovery. You know, if, if you're sitting at a table and, you know, you're trying to talk to someone about, going to Hilton Head, South Carolina, and they have, you know, no interest in Hilton Head, South Carolina, you've lost them. <laughs> so you've right. got to, you've got to, you've got to ask the right questions. You've got to involve both, you know, the husband and the wife in those scenarios or the family. Um, and, 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 you know, one thing that I like to stress a lot too, is not to just focus on, um, you know, a lot of times in our industry, the people tend to focus on one or the other, typically at every couple presentation, there's a power. Yeah. And there's the the person who is more more quiet, and it's amazing actually how many times the wife uh, is the power person 
And if you don't uh, give her as much attention or ask her as many questions as the husband, you're not going to have a sale. So it, it, it's important to, you know, I guess, read your clients, read how they interact with each other um, and, you know, strong eye contact at the same time. Like, you know, there's a script for the most part that we give everybody. Right. And you can't, you can't be word for word verbatim, but, you know, sticking yeah. to that process and, and really at the end of the day, you, you can't be afraid to ask for the business. And that's where I think, you know, if you spend, you know, 60 or 75 minutes with somebody in the last 15 minutes, you're scared to ask for the business. Um, you know, you're kind of wasting a lot of time. And so, I, you know, I always tell them too, no matter how nervous you are asking for that money or for that, you know, down payment or that business, I can assure you they are twice as nervous as whether they're going to say yes or no. So sure. just, you know, uh, I guess just being confident. And even if you don't feel confident, fake it. Just just right. you know, look confident when you ask for it. So, yeah, you know, I think that happens so often, especially when we're talking about younger younger reps or like reps that are early on in the, in their sales career. And so are there different techniques that you use to teach the team to say like, Hey, this is the way that you're going to be confident in these areas. Because ultimately I think when you're, when you're asking for the check, it either makes sense or it doesn't. Because ultimately if, if, the, if the person doesn't want to travel, it's like, Hey, this isn't going to make sense anyways. And so hopefully at that point in the process, when you're asking for the money, it's, it, it, it's to the point where you're like, Hey, this makes sense for this person. And when it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, right. And so and, maybe and that I gives think, you a little bit more of that confidence in, in, in the process anyways. Right. Cause you know, like, Hey, this is a good fit. Yeah. The, the, the ones that, you know, they kind of the thing that a lot of people talk about is, you know, out of 10 tours, it's what they call the swing five. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, two that will buy, you know, there's two or three that absolutely will not buy. But it's what yeah. you do with those middle five, right? And so that's what we try to focus on and talk a lot about is the swing five. If you can get two of those <clears throat> out of the swing five, and it, it, a lot of times it's just the little things, staying with the script, asking the right questions. Are we doing trial closes along the way? Are we um, are we putting in the, in the, uh, the product uh, that they may have talked about? Are they asking questions? Are we asking them to ask questions, right? Like all those yeah. things are, are part of the process. And typically if, if we stick to those processes, um, you know, good things happen. It's kind of funny when, when I worked in Maui, I had this mentor, his name is Bradley Carter and he would have like these 20 zingers and, um, you know, it's, I, we'd all make fun of him because he would literally say the same things. Like he had the same terms. Now yeah. I use like 15 of them still to this day because they just work. <laughs> and now I have, you know, 60 or 70 or 80 salespeople that have worked for me over the years and probably all say them too. So Anyway, I got to give him some credit, but yeah, he, uh, it's just, you know, it's, there's only so much you can reinvent the wheel and it's just kind of comes down to standardized sales practices. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We, I think we as salespeople, right. We always try to read, trying to recreate the wheel. And I think ultimately the wheel has been created and we have these processes in place for a reason because we know they work. And so ultimately it's up to us to just put the work in, uh, cause Right, we have proven results at that point, and and I think that's up to our like our leadership team to say, hey, like when things aren't working, that's when we can make a pivot. But it really needs to become from up above, and 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 that way, right? You don't have these lone wolves out here. You have one person killing it, doing a thousand percent to goal, and you have another person out here ten percent to goal. It's difficult to find out what's working and what's not working. Um, and ultimately, it's the only way you can do that is really to have a process there. Yeah, and that and that's you know I have a team in Virginia Beach. That's really what I'm most proud of them is. It's six salespeople. It's not a huge operation, but it's a good size yeah. for what we do. 
And, you know, usually month over month, it's static. It's, it's all six are competing for that number one and number two spot. So it's not like you have somebody who's bringing down the team with their numbers and their performance. And I think that's, that's a sign of a good manager and a good leader is the fact that, you know, everybody on that team is succeeding together and then they get competitive within each other. Right. And um, they're, they're keeping score and which, you know, that's one thing is you want everybody to keep score. I was actually listening to a podcast last night about the guy that has the 4.9 on Uber. That you okay. put out. Yeah. I'm 4.88. So I'm 4.88. So I, uh, <laughs> I was a little bit behind him. So now I'm, you know, I'm keeping score to try to pass that guy on the Uber score. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think that anyway, that, that makes, uh, I think it's important to, uh, you know, that that's a good sign is when all six of those guys are, are, are all, you know, clicking together and they're all helping each other. And, you know, cause a lot of times if you have somebody who's keeping the team down at the bottom, there's uh, uh you know, tends that can also bring in a negative culture into the, into the office. Sure. Sure. And like, when do you know somebody's ready for like the next step? Like when you, you have a really great sales rep and they're, and they're killing it. And like, when's the, when's the time to say, Hey, like we should evaluate this person for maybe a leadership type of role or, Maybe um, there's another role in the company that's like, hey, this is this is some we we I I know this person's destined for be, for better, right, or for more. They can handle more, and so like, how do you realize that um, that that person has those qualities or um, has the ability? I, I think even when they're not in that leadership role, they're getting buy-in from other people. Um, you know, they're, they're like people are going to them for help. People are asking them yeah. questions. Um, you know, I, I think that's huge. I also, I think it's someone who pays attention to the details, right? So um, someone who, you know, cares about how their desk looks, cares about that things are in a certain order, care, you know, cares about um, that the, you know, numbers and reports are up to date, is asking good questions, um, and, and really is never afraid to kind of, you know, push the envelope on, on, you know, not scared to ask, you know, tough questions and, 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 and you know, come up with new ideas. Um, so I think all those things are really what we look for when promoting people. Um, and we've been fortunate enough to do that, you know, in a number of different resorts and we will continue as we grow bigger. Yeah, no, I love that. That totally makes sense. What advice would you give, um, you know, people in the industry, you know, I I'd love for you maybe to give them a shout out and maybe some of your competitors out there that maybe, um, not selling in the same way that you are. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I think you have to have confidence. That's, that's the yeah. biggest thing, no matter what's going on around you, you have to have confidence and from a sales rep standpoint, you, you've got to be confident all the time. Um, you've got to be willing to listen to your, to your managers, um, or to your, you know, to your leaders and, and, you know, really buy into what they're saying. Um, as a manager, you know, as a leader, you know, I think it, they have to know that you care. Um, yeah. And that you have to, they have to, you have to be willing to go to bat for your team, no matter what, right? And so, like I said earlier, I, when I had a previous company, I would go to bat for my team, you know, to to my upper management, and that wasn't the message that they wanted me bringing down. And so, you know, I was wearing two faces, and it just wasn't it wasn't the right way for me. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I think I think being consistent in your message as a leader is important as well, um, and realizing that everyone has lives outside of the sales office. So, you yeah. know, kids, activities, marriage, death, divorce, you know, it all goes on outside the walls of our office. And you have to understand that and be empathetic to that. Um, and if you can do those things, it creates a lot of loyalty that you can, you know, build a team on.
Sure. Absolutely. I love that. And I love the thought process there. Man, I got one last question for you, Lee. How do you want to be remembered when, when you leave this earth? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, yeah. I would say, I mean, you know, I have, I have three wonderful kids that uh, I think they, I would want them to know that I hustled and, uh, you know, I, I worked hard to try to provide them as much as I could. But I think really that I, one of the biggest things that I'd like is that I did business the right way. I treated people the right way um, and, you know, made some good money and also had a lot of fun along the way, too. I think we've yeah. always, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty proud of my employment retention. I don't I don't lose a lot of people unless they do it to themselves. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, but I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think I I think I'd like to be a leader that they know that they could go to and, you know, knew that uh, no matter what, we uh, we all we all we all paddled the boat the same way. So I love that. <clears throat> Hopefully, um, I'm sure that's consistent across the team. And I know that our conversations that I've had, right, like I can totally see that. And so hopefully uh, everyone feels that way about you. And it's that Ohana, one family, one boat. And uh, you can keep that mentality as you continue to grow vacation. And I look forward to all you're going to do. I appreciate it. Lee, man, this is this has been great. I appreciate you taking the time with us. And, man, this is just another episode of How the Greats Do It.